Psalm 59. We'll look at all 17 verses. Now, this psalm is is somewhat similar to what we've what we've looked at in the last probably three psalms that we've looked at. So, uh, I will not go through it word for word because there's really nothing more that I could add. I don't believe for for most of what it's being said. It, we'll 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 read through it. We'll kind of talk about what's going on here, but it's very similar as to what we've seen in the in the last three psalms that we've looked at. And so we will read through it and we'll just kind of pick out a few things that may be different and maybe uh, point out a couple of things uh, in this psalm that are a little different maybe from what we've seen in some of the past psalms that we've looked at. Psalm 59, we'll start with the superscription and then we'll read through all 17 verses and then we'll talk about it. <clears throat> For the choir director, do not destroy a Davidic mictum when Saul sent agents to watch the house and kill him. Deliver me from my enemies, my God. Protect me from those who rise up against me. Deliver me from those who practice sin and save me from men of bloodshed. Lord, look, they set an ambush for me. Powerful men attack me, but not because of any sin or rebellion of mine. For no fault of mine, they run and take up a position. Awake to help me and take notice. Lord God of hosts, you are the God of Israel. Rise up to punish all the nations. Do not show grace to any wicked traitors. Selah. They return at evening, snarling like dogs and prowling around the city. Look, they spew from their mouths sharp swords from their lips. For who, they say, will hear? But you laugh at them, Lord. You ridicule all the nations. I will keep watch for you, my strength, because God is my stronghold. My faithful God will come to meet me. God will let me look down on my adversaries. Do not kill them, otherwise my people will forget. By your power, make them homeless wanderers and bring them down, Lord, our shield. For the sin of their mouths and the word of their lips, let them be caught in their pride. They utter curses and lies. Consume them in rage. Consume them until they are gone. Then people will know throughout the earth that God rules over Jacob. Selah. And they return at evening, snarling like dogs and prowling around the city. They scavenge for food. They growl if they are not satisfied. But I will sing of your strength and will joyfully proclaim your faithful love in the morning. For you have been a stronghold for me, a refuge in my day of trouble. To you, my strength, I sing praises, because God is my stronghold, my faithful God. Let's pray. God, we come to you tonight and we thank you for these words. And I pray that you would just help our hearts and our minds to focus on you for just a few minutes, dear Lord. I know we've got a lot on our minds. We're tired. We've got a lot we think about that we can be distracted by. But I pray in these few minutes that there will be something that your Holy Spirit will just reveal to us that we can grow in you, that we can learn from your word, and that we can leave here tonight feeling, feeling restored, dear Lord, with a little boost of energy to get us through the rest of this week. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, now this is one of those psalms that has a superscription that tells us a little bit about what's going on, although the events that are mentioned in the superscription 
you, you really wouldn't know those two events went together if, if it didn't tell you that. Now, in the beginning of this superscription, we see this, this phrase, this title that we've seen in the last couple of Psalms, and that is, do not destroy. Now, it seems to, to fit this Psalm a little better maybe than the last two because David really is saying here, God deliver me, God save me, God do not let me be destroyed by this enemy who is coming against me. And so that title kind of fits here, although it could just be the title of a song that this psalm was applied to in multiple ways, or it could in some way be applicable to the events of this psalm and the other psalms. But it says that this psalm written by David was written when Saul sent agents to watch the house and kill him. Now, if you want to go back and study about that uh, uh, situation, you can find that in 1 Samuel chapter 19, verses 11, 12, and 13. Now, in those verses, Saul is after David. Now, we know that there are lots of chapters in that time frame where Saul is trying to kill David because uh, Saul is not going to be king anymore because God had told Saul to go in and, and destroy all the, the enemies that they were supposed to destroy, and Saul didn't do that. And God said, because you didn't follow my command to destroy the, the evil enemies that were against you, I'm going to take the kingship away from you. And David was the one who was going to be king. And so Saul, trying to kill David, was, was constantly chasing him and after him. And some of the Psalms we have read have covered some of those instances where David was on the run from Saul. Now, this story referenced in the superscription from 1 Samuel 19 is one of those events. Now, this event happened uh, what appears to be a little earlier on, uh, and, and David was married to Saul's daughter, Michael. And as David was trying to escape from Saul here, who was trying to kill him, he went home to his wife, and she helped protect him and helped him escape when Saul's soldiers came to the house to take his life. And she even uh, took the household idol, which that's a whole other story in and of itself we could probably discuss there, but she took the household idol and she put some hair on it and put it in the bed and made it look as though David was in the bed. And when the soldiers came to try to get David, she said, oh, he's sick. Well, when they finally came in the house, they realized that that was not David in the bed sick, but it was simply a statue with some hair on it. And so David was able to escape his enemies in that situation with the help of his wife. And it says in the superscription that that's the event that was going on as these words were written. Now, at the beginning of this psalm, we see this similar idea of what we've seen in the last few psalms. And that is, David is up against enemies who are trying to harm him, who are trying to kill him. And here he is really calling out at the beginning of this psalm, God deliver me. God save me from these powerful enemies who are coming against me. And he even says here at the end of verse 3 that it's not because of any of his sin or any of his rebellion. That is, he's not. this is not some kind of punishment because he has done wrong. He says, I have no fault in this, that, 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 that he was innocent in the situation at hand. Now, David uh, would not be one, I don't believe at all, who would say he was not a sinner. That's not what David is saying. But in this instance, he's saying that he is innocent, that these enemies who were coming against him are coming against him for no reason. He has not done anything uh, deserving of, of this punishment, this death that Saul is trying to, is trying to uh, take his life here. David says, look, I haven't done anything responsible or, or deserving, I should say, 
of death. And, and we need to remember that too. There may be some things in our life that we go through, and we may sometimes say, boy, is God trying to get my attention with all this bad stuff that's going on? And the answer to that question sometimes may be yes. There may be times where God allows things to happen to get our attention because of something that we have done or something that we are doing that we should not be doing. I do believe that that is sometimes the case. But there are other times where things happen to us. Uh, we could say that the devil is out to get us or the devil is trying to tempt us or the devil is uh, putting a heavier load on us and we could say that and that sometimes is true. There are some, some things that maybe we don't do anything. We're not at fault. God is not trying to punish us or maybe we are not deserving of, of someone even in this world who is coming against us, uh, who is accusing us of something or attacking us because of something. Uh, it may be that it's not any fault of our own. And in David's case, it was no fault of his. He had done nothing wrong here, but these enemies yet and still uh, were coming against him. Uh, and his situation was difficult. He refers to these enemies as snarling dogs. Again, this is a similar language to what we've seen in the last few Psalms. These enemies that are coming against David, they are ferocious. And it, and it seems almost like a helpless situation. And we can relate to that because we have probably all been in situations that we feel are, are helpless. But sometimes it takes those situations for us to trust in the Lord all the more. Uh, theologian Frederick William Faber once said, hope find its strength in helplessness. And that's true. It's often, often when we feel that we are the, the most helpless, that we trust in God all the more, that we put our faith and our trust and our hope in the Lord, and we draw strength from that. And that's what David is doing in these times that these enemies are coming against him. He's not, he's not giving up. Uh, he, he, he prays, God, help me. God, this is difficult. God, these enemies are powerful. But God, I'm going to trust in you. And we see a shift occur as we go through this psalm. At the beginning part of the psalm, uh, David is saying, look, these enemies are, are coming uh, against me, God, but they will not overtake me. They will not overtake you. They are getting their way now, but God, you will get the last laugh. That's kind of what he's saying uh, in, in, in verses 7 and 8 there. At the end of verse 7, he's, uh, it says that the enemies are saying, for who, they say, will hear. They're kind of boasting and gloating in the things that they're doing and the running of their mouth. But in verse 8, David says, but you laugh at them, Lord. You ridicule all the nations. Perhaps you have heard the saying before, he who laughs last laughs best. And I think maybe that's kind of the idea that that, that David has in mind here. Even though the enemies may appear to overtake us in this world, and we talked about this a week or two ago, I remember kind of saying something very similar. Even though the enemies appear to win in this world, they will not win for all of eternity. They may laugh at God today, but God will have the last laugh. And they may laugh at us today when we say, oh, I'm trusting in God. And they may say, what, you trusting in God? What's God going to do to you? I've never seen God. I've never seen God do anything. God can't help you. Well, those are the kind of things that people who do not believe in God or people who do not trust in God, those are the kind of things they say. They don't, they don't recognize the power of God. And they, they laugh at God and they mock God, but God will have the last laugh. 
because one day they will stand before God. And, and David, I believe, realizes that here. And I think that may be what he's saying in verse 8 when he says that the Lord laughs at them. That is, like the Lord's worried about these, these nasty, snarling dog enemies that are up against David. As bad as our enemies may seem, they are nothing to God. He can easily overtake those enemies, and often he does. And one day, ultimately, he will. Now, in verse 9, we see a shift occur in this psalm. Now, David had been talking about the enemy. He had been wanting deliverance. But the shift comes here as we see this shift to the Lord's strength, the Lord being the stronghold for David. A stronghold is like a castle, like something fortified. that's not easy to get into. And David refers to a God in this psalm as his stronghold, his fortress that he finds security in. Now, from verse 9 through verse 17, in those eight verses, David mentions the word strength or stronghold eight different, or excuse me, six different times in those eight verses. And so that, that shift is easy to see where his strength is, where his stronghold is. It is in the Lord. The enemy is coming against him. But when the enemy comes at David, David goes to the Lord. And in verse 9, we, we begin to see that shift when he says, I will keep watch for you, my strength, because God is my stronghold. And so that's the same theme that we, that we kind of see. And then, then David begins to say, all right, Lord, I want you to take care of these enemies. And he says in verse 11, he says, do not kill them, otherwise my people will forget. But by your power, make them homeless wanderers. And bring them down. Now, David is saying, don't completely destroy them, uh, but, but, but through your power, take away their power so that they are no longer those who are big and tough and strong and running in their mouth, but uh, they are those who have been humbled. They are those who are homeless. And David says, look, by others seeing this, by seeing these who used to be big and mighty but have been made low, God says, look, the people will, or excuse me, David says, look, the people will see that and they will be reminded of your great power. But it's only a few verses after that that David says, and then consume them in your rage. So lower them down, but, but ultimately, God, uh, bring just, uh, consume them and take care of them, those enemies that have been so strong against me. Uh, and then in verse 14, he repeats something that he, rep that, he, that he stated earlier in the psalm. And they return at evening snarling like dogs and prowling around the city. They scavenge for food. They growl if they are not satisfied. And so perhaps the, the language here is, is, is what these soldiers or these men were doing who were coming to get David. They were like dogs on the prowl as they were searching for David. As Saul had sent them out, they were going around the city at night and they were looking for David. They were trying to find David. Uh, but David was able to be spared and was able to escape uh, the wrath that they wanted to uh, bring upon him. And in verse 16, he says, But I will sing of your strength and will, enjoy, and will joyfully proclaim your faithful love in the morning. Now, I think it's interesting here that he, we see the phrase, in the morning. Uh, we also, you, you may remember the, the passage that says, uh, sorrow will spend the night, but there will be joy in the morning. Uh, and here we see these, these dogs who are searching for David, 
And it's at night. It's at night that the enemy is trying to come against David. But it is in the morning when David knows that he will be delivered. It's in the morning that he will praise God. Oftentimes when we think about night and morning, uh, night is often maybe when we when we face some of our struggles, when we face some of our attacks, when we face some of our fears. Because when it, when it, when it literally gets night, well, usually things quiet down a little bit. Things get dark. And, and when you're laying in the dark and you're laying in the quiet, even when you hear something, you're not sure what it is. And so in the dark, things can be fearful. It's in the dark when things are quiet, uh, when, when, when there's not much noise that maybe your brain begins to work and you begin to think about things and you begin to worry about things. And all of these things seem to happen maybe more at night. We begin, uh, begin to get more afraid at night when it gets dark, when it gets quiet, when we are alone. Often we are alone at night. We're in our own beds. We're in our own rooms. And oftentimes, uh, night is, is a time when we are under attack, so to speak. If not by physical enemies, maybe by attacks of Satan on our mind or maybe with our worries or, or maybe we're just simply afraid of the dark, whatever it may be. It seems as though uh, nighttime is usually the time that, that, that we are afraid. Now, different things cause that fear, but oftentimes our greatest fears are in the night. And boy, we love to see the morning because the sun comes up, and with the sun, uh, it shines light on everything, and we can see everything that is around us. We, uh, we, we get the, the, the noise of our daily life back. We get into our routine, and those fears kind of go away uh, when the morning comes. But to get to the morning, we have to go through the night. Now, I'm not talking about uh, just physically sleeping here. I'm talking in a spiritual sense. We go through these nights, these seasons, these dark seasons where where things may be difficult, where we're in difficult situations, where we're in scary situations, where we have a lot of burden, where we have a lot of stress. And there are these nights that we go through uh, but we have to go through the night sometime to get to the morning. And you may be in the middle of one of those dark seasons now and one of those nights where it seems like things are scary or things are difficult, uh, but morning is coming. Morning is coming. We have those ups and those downs. And uh, if I can quote uh, uh, Harvey Dent from Batman, he is a two-faced character, he said, uh, the night is darkest just before the dawn. And that's, that's true. Uh, in, in regards to the illustration here is, is sometimes in the middle of our deepest, darkest times when it seems like we are helpless, it's when we put our hope in the Lord and when we find his strength and we do see the light that is in Jesus Christ. And when the morning comes, it's a good thing. And that's what David says. Look, my enemies are coming against me at night. They are coming at me at night. But God, in the morning, I will praise you. That is, God, I know that you will soon deliver me from this. And when you deliver me for this, I will praise you when the morning comes, when you bring deliverance. And he says in verse 17, To you, my strength, I, will, I sing praises, because God is my stronghold, my faithful God. And we need to consider those words of David and, and think for ourselves, where are we turning to on our darkest nights and our deepest times of trouble? Who is our strength and who is our stronghold? If we are in any fortress to find security that is not the Lord, then we are in a fortress that can easily crumble. But when God is our stronghold, we will overcome 
even our greatest enemies, and there will be light at the end of the tunnel. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you tonight, and we thank you for these good words of David, and I pray that they would be good for us in our life. God, maybe there are some that are in a, in a season of darkness now where it just seems like every, everything is against them, God, where, where it's difficult to, 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 to get through life's burdens and stresses, and maybe there are fears in the lives of some here tonight, God, but whatever it is, I pray that you would help them get through this dark time, God. I pray that you would help them to overcome any helplessness that they may be experiencing, and I pray, God, that they would find hope in you. I pray, God, that just as David uh, turned to you for strength and as his stronghold, that we too would be faithful to turn to you as our strength and stronghold. No matter what our greatest enemy is, no matter who or what is coming against us, dear Lord, we will overcome through the power of Jesus Christ if we trust in him. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's service. To learn more about Jesus, call or text Pastor Shan at 601-657-0180 or email him at shanvnme.com. You can also visit us at www.enterprisebaptist.church or follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash ebcliberty. We hope that you have been blessed by today's service.